We want our young women to be able to be socially able to navigate the party scene and you know there are risks that are attached to parties you know I think we need to promote the positive norms though there's more positive things that come out of parties than there are negative. Most people enjoy a good party whatever your age or the extroverts amongst us at least and particularly when you are young there's that anticipation leading up to the event maybe some nerves as you arrive but hopefully spending time with friends and making some new ones. However Amid their daughter's excitement about an invitation, perhaps, parents might have some worries. What are the unknowns they might be concerned about and what can parents do to help their daughters navigate the teen social scene positively and safely? Welcome to Illumin. I'm Jacinda Ryla, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. Today I'm joined by Head of House Sybil Edwards and HBE teacher Cathy Rees, both of them very experienced educators but also parents themselves. Sybil and Cathy, welcome to Illumin. Thanks Jacinda. Thank you Jacinda. Before we really get into today's topic, Sybil, tell us a little bit about your role at the school and what it is that you love about being Head of Lily House. Well, it may sound cliché, but I really think the best part of my job is simply getting to know the Lily families and seeing those girls develop over their time at the school. I've actually been in the role for many years and I'm now starting to teach the daughters of former students, which I find particularly lovely. Oh, lovely. I was going to say sobering too, (laughs) isn't it? Okay, so it is a nice thing to have that intergenerational understanding of families. So, Cathy, obviously you've been teaching health and physical education, or HPE, as it's probably widely known, for many, many years. Tell us a little bit about how much this subject area extends far beyond just staying active and fitness tests and some of those ideas people might have about their old HPE classes. Well, in my experience as being a HPE teacher over the last 30 years, it certainly has evolved into much more than just fitness and girls standing in groups doing calisthenics. So here at Girls Grammar, we take a balanced and holistic approach to health and well-being. And our real focus is on harm minimisation, where we weigh up positive and negative risks and try to help the girls make safe choices. So HPE is a link, a really good link to good health and it assists in promoting academic learning, equip the students with skills for life that they can utilise. And HPE teachers are often very passionate about that holistic role of HPE beyond the classroom. Most definitely. So we we want to educate the girls to become good citizens, to be successful in life, to be active, healthy, socially responsible, and to learn social qualities such as leadership, cooperation, cohesion and teamwork. So we aim to guide the girls to be able to make informed choices to the myriad of choices that they're exposed to as they traverse adolescence. So speaking about guidance, obviously that's one of the, you know, parents wear many hats, but obviously most parents understand that, you know, our children develop, they go through different stages and adolescence is a very particular stage. And as they go through it, obviously, the role of the parent really changes. You know, you're still your child's most important teacher. You still have 
great influence over their lives. But we also come to understand that that role moves away from, you know, in infancy, managing and directly caring for a child, making decisions for them, to something that's more of almost a consultant where you don't have complete control over your child's life and you hope that they take your advice and wise counsel. So Sybil, talking about that transition, particularly now parents of adolescents, how have you witnessed this in your role as head of house, watching, as you've said, generations of young people? And also, you are, of course, the mother of a recently graduated high school student. As you say, Jacinda, I think an important part of adolescence is learning to separate from parents. And it's natural that the girls start to form closer ties with their peers. Mm. I think that you just hope that your hard work that you put into parenting earlier pays off. You hope that they choose friends with similar values. You hope that the communication lines will stay open with your daughter. And to be honest, that transition from manager to consultant, it seems to happen in the blink of an eye. It feels like one minute you're driving them around to birthday parties, next minute you're picking them up at 11 o'clock from a teenage party, and then suddenly, you're at my stage now, I've got two daughters who are leading completely independent social lives. They're now 18 and 21. And it's very, very quick. And it's lovely actually speaking to both of you because you've both been teachers, educators for a long time in the same school, I must say, but also you have negotiated that as parents directly. So teens, as, as you've mentioned, Sybil and Cathy, you're definitely post-teen, but you've, you've been through all those experiences over time. If we think about Dr Lisa Damore, who is a person many people will be familiar with, she's been a guest here on Lumen. She's very passionate about parents being able to spot the opportunities to have meaningful and also, she calls them, agenda-less conversations with their daughters. So Cathy, why is it important for parents to foster this consultative relationship with their daughters as they grow and mature, no matter how guarded their daughter may be naturally at times? I think it's very important to maintain those open lines of communication and to remain connected and not disconnected because at the end of the day, you are the person that's got the most influence over your children and as they go through adolescence, they're going to actually push away from you, but you still do have the most influence. So you're the child's most important teacher. That influence, as I said, will change over time, but if you've got clear expectations and you're children understand what your expectations are and that you've got appropriate consequences and boundaries so that the boundary lines are not blurred. It's really important to be consultative with your children so you're actually having those conversations. A great time to have conversations with your children is when you're driving with them in the car because they're in the car, they can't get out, (laughs) and you're able to have those conversations and they're not threatened by you looking at them face to face. You're sort of, you know, both facing forward and you can have those conversations and it might not even necessarily be about a particular incident that they, your child, may have been involved in but it could be about you know, you've heard about something that's happened with peers and, you know, get the child's input as well. I think just listening to comments that both of you have made, it it speaks to the importance of parents kind of holding their nerve and staying confident. So, Sybil, you talked about the transition happening so quickly. You, Cathy, said that parents 
you know, have to remind themselves, hopefully, that they are, in fact, still the most important and influential person in their children's lives. What are your words for parents about staying strong and staying confident and backing yourself, actually, in having those conversations, in making those decisions? Don't be afraid to speak to your child and they need to know that you love them unconditionally no matter what's going on and that at any time you're available for them to be able to speak to you. And you were also an adolescent. They might think that it was a very, very long time ago. But, you know, situations have not really changed. Parties and social situations have been around for a very long time in our society. We do celebrate occasions. I've heard it described from someone I know as a peg and chat. It's amazing what information can be elicited in a, a really sort of basic daily housework. Um, a little bit better than sit down and let's have a serious mm, chat. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> creepy for yes. them, isn't it? It's like, what, what are mum and dad going to ask me? So, Cathy, what are some of the riskier topics, though, such as partying safely? And what sort of information do you provide through the HPE curriculum about alcohol and drugs and, and the sorts of things that you talk about with students at Girls Grammar? Our curriculum is quite diverse and the same harm minimisation approach is threaded throughout the four years that we have the girls doing health and physical education. In year seven, it's about the process of decision making and what constitutes positive and negative risk taking. We have a focus on tobacco and e-cigarettes. We also talk about personal health and consent. In year eight we move on to personal health unit and that's more about relationships and mental health and the impact that these can have on girls with the risk-taking process. In year nine that's really probably when we focus on partying safe and we do a unit on alcohol and we also do some first aid so we introduce the girls to the concept of party safe drugs and alcohol. Throughout that entire unit we discuss alcohol and decision making from an evidence-based perspective and additionally the girls do undertake a course in first aid so that whilst the link may not be obvious we educate the girls so that they know what to do if they're in a situation at a party and one of their friends may not be feeling well or may be vomiting or unconscious so that they know how to manage that situation. They don't need to have medical expertise to do that but we certainly talk to them about being able to put a friend into the recovery position, speaking to a responsible adult that would be at the party. They are really powerful skills in helping in a situation where sometimes parents aren't there, there aren't adults, and it's about equipping them to manage whatever it is that they may face, which is normal experience, quite frankly, um, in adolescence, isn't it? And I guess listening to those topics that you talked about, Cathy, I guess they're constantly evolving. I imagine that you're constantly trying to keep up. A lot of these topics are actually being dealt with at an earlier stage, perhaps, than they were in the past. Yes, I think they definitely are. And also in year 10 we speak to the girls about drugs and alcohol and women's health and safety so there's also that thread of consent going all the way through the four years that we have exposure to the girls in health and physical education. Yeah and, and as you describe it it's at an age appropriate stage so you're not yes. necessarily talking about things so explicitly but you're definitely talking about healthy decision making from the earliest days and you too Sybil have seen the change to the curriculum the topics that we explore over time. I think that the the topic of e cigarettes the vaping is something that's very new just the last few years and it seems to have really mushroomed mm. it's a topic that we're very concerned about I think they had the idea that they're quite safe when in fact I think it's the opposite I think it's quite insidious mm. the way that they've lured the 
the kids into with the sweet smells the and sweet the tastes smells, and the, yes. the way that they're marketed the girls are sort of drawn into the fact that oh this is not as harmful as tobacco whereas yeah. these um, e-cigarettes are nicotine is their main constituent it was like the concerns of those sweet alcoholic drinks and mm. and those bottles how they were packaged and marketed as you say but going back to being an adolescent obviously it's always been a complex task negotiating that period in life but now with the digital world obviously there are many rites of passage things continue to evolve one thing though that has been there is parties so Kathy how would you describe some of the biggest risks that teens might be facing at this time what what do modern parties look like parties are a reality our girls are going to be attending those parties and we want our young women to be able to be socially able to navigate the party scene and it's you know there are risks that are attached to parties you know, I think we need to promote the positive norms, though. There's more positive things that come out of parties than there are negative. But research does indicate that when there is a consumption of alcohol and peer pressure combined, that makes the decision process of our young women and adolescents particularly difficult in the midst of a party situation. So there can be, you know, situations where fights may occur, poor choices may be made, drug taking in the form of tobacco, alcohol, or even some recreational drugs may be present. And potentially even risky sexual behaviour. So it's really wise that we do inform our girls and that they know what, you know, that they can navigate this by making decisions where they're going to keep themselves and their friends safe. So it's definitely accepting that these things are a possibility, not Mm. turning a blind eye, leaning into the conversation with young people. And obviously that's part of what our programs seek to do. We want parents to be part of that conversation, obviously, as well. And most are comfortable doing so, but it can be a difficult conversation sometimes to have with your teen. But if you're looking at the research, you know, we all like to talk about previous times. Is there anything to suggest that people today are more likely to engage in harmful activities such as underage drinking, smoking, illicit drugs or not? Is there any research on that? There's quite a lot of research and the latest research suggests that there's large groups of school-based young people that are not using illicit drugs and the good news is that we're seeing growing numbers of people that are choosing not to drink alcohol. So only 28% of 12 to 17 year olds have actually had a full serve of alcohol. And in 1999, one in 10 students were not consuming alcohol. And the latest research that we have up to date is in 2019, where one in three students were not consuming Mm. alcohol. So the consumption levels are decreasing. There is a trend, as Sybil suggested earlier, more towards vaping, and that's because it's been marketed as a safe alternative. But nicotine is harmful to the young developing brain. It affects the attention and the learning and impulse control, as does alcohol. So we're suggesting that, and research suggests that the longer you delay the onset of that first drink, the better off your child's growth and their their brain and their impulse control and their decision-making processes are going to be. Young people are at a greater risk of alcohol-related harm than adults are. We know now know that there's more effects of alcohol on the teenage brain and it's more harmful than what was originally thought. So alcohol does expose our young women to a greater risk of injury and harm and doing things that they may later regret. So safety is the number one priority. And I think even simple principles like that, delaying the first drink, it's not about they won't ever 
touch alcohol. It's about pushing that out and things like that are, I think, are a really helpful guide. But Sybil, tell us some simple steps that you think parents can take to promote safe partying with their daughters. Well, I think that you have to make your views about underage drinking very clear. And one of the most important things is for both parents to be on the same page. So as Cathy said earlier, just communicate your your rules and your views about those things early. I think even before they start going to parties and keep the rules fair and appropriate. They know when something is not fair, they're going to push back. As your daughter gets older, things are going to change slightly and keep adjusting to reward good behaviour. I also think it's a great idea when they are going to parties to know who they're with. So have the name of a buddy, a friend, and know their parents. So that if something does go wrong, you, you have somebody to contact, not just your daughter. And Cathy, for you, what are some of the factors that you think parents want to consider when they're deciding, for example, whether to say yes or no to a daughter attending? You know, often the invitation comes in, maybe you're uncertain, you'd like her to go and enjoy it, but you have your doubts. What sort of tips would you have? I would make sure that I laid simple ground rules with the child. And as Sybil said, it's it's not about over-parenting, but it's about consulting and having the conversation and the communication with your child. So you want to know whose party it is. Do you actually know the parents? Where's the party going to be held? Is there going to be active parental supervision? What time does it start and what time does it finish? And, you know, to get that information, you can actually ask your child. They're in, in the know because they've been invited to the party, go to the source or the host. And as a parent, I did that when my children were in the party that stage of their lives. So I would communicate with the host and make sure that there was going to be a responsible adult there that is going to be, you know, at the party and know what's going on. Talk to other parents of children who may be also attending the same party. And you can also, you know, check social media and ask your child to show you the invitation. I think it's also important for your child to know that they can call you at any time and you will collect them no matter what time of the day or night it is. And also that your child has the triple O or the emergency app on their phone. They are very practical tips. I'm going to fire another one at you, Cathy. If parents have decided that, yes, okay, we've done all of our research, made all of our contact, and it's okay for their daughter to attend, they've decided it seems safe and appropriate, what are the criteria or the non-negotiables that you think parents might consider imposing? The number one non-negotiable would be how they are getting home. So I think parents must really decide this, not the child. And if you are personally unable to collect your child, make sure that it's another parent that you know is going to be collecting your child and dropping them home. There is an advantage to being dropping them off and collecting them because you know where the party is, you know you could meet the hosts, you can assess what's going on and especially collecting them, you can assess what may or may not have gone on through the party. It's also important to know that a lot of children think that it's okay to ride in an Uber, but it's actually against the law for Ubers to collect people under the age of 18 and have them in their cars. I know they do do that, but it's a regulation that they are supposed to abide by. So I think you also need to make 
your views about underage drinking clear and so that your child also knows what the consequences might be. So you've got rules about that party. And as Sybil said earlier, those rules are going to change as your child matures and grows and make the rules fair so that they know the clear consequence and that they're age appropriate. And as Sybil also said, you want to reward your child for good behaviour. And there's more good that goes on at the parties than there is bad. Yeah. So I think, you know, you've gone through the process of deciding whether to allow your daughter to go. We've gone through some tips. But Sybil, on the very night of the party, what are some final words or reminders that parents can reiterate just as they're saying goodbye? That crucial message that you are on call at any time. If something goes wrong, you'll be there for them. You're not going to be punishing them for ringing you at any stage and my daughters now they're young adults and they know that even now they can call me and they have yeah, <laughs> absolutely so a couple of years ago you actually were part of a parent seminar and you talked about three golden rules for safe parties what are those three golden rules Kathy? Knowing where your child is, knowing who they're with and knowing when they'll be home and how they will get home. So that's a little summary of what we've all just a covered. Brief synopsis, yes. So parents who choose to host a party, now that's a whole other minefield for them and, and it's natural. You, you might have a birthday party, a certain celebration, maybe it's before the formal. Um, there are lots of wonderful occasions that people like to celebrate as a family and within their own home. But if you are hosting such a party, what advice do you have about planning a safe party and what sorts of steps can you take to put other parents at ease that this is going to be fun but it's going to be well managed and people will be taken care of? I think you're a very brave person to host one of those big parties. But if you do, and there's many reasons why you would, obviously... uh, Sending invites that state that responsible service of alcohol to 18-year-olds only. I think that you need to have an RSVP that includes parents' contact numbers. I think the active parental presence is number one. You have to be prepared to be there. If you're going to host, you can't have your holiday down at the Gold Coast when the party's on. If you're hosting one of those huge parties, a lot of people actually go to the the extent of having a security guard. Paul Dillon, who we have at the school, has excellent guidelines to follow and um, he's somebody that works for the Australian Drug Foundation. He's got a website that you can have a look at a, a very good checklist if you're brave enough to host one of those teenage parties. And so finally, Sybil and Cathy, we've talked obviously about some of the very real risks, but also the ways of managing them and having the conversations with our children about parties, how to navigate them certainly as parents. But the other side, of course, of parties is they're fun. They're positive rite of passage. Most of us enjoy them. And I think, you know, going through all this time of children on their phones and hooked into technology, there's something really nice about children or young people being physically present and being together. Sybil, why do you think it's important for adolescents to be given the opportunity to socialise with friends and teens in this sort of less formal environment, but also how important are those interactions to help young people develop um, who they are as a person, independence, confidence, etc. Well having relationships and friends I think is the main ingredient to a happy life so you have to develop those social skills 
feel confident in different settings. We need to give the children opportunities to do this. And I think we've seen over the last couple of years with COVID lockdowns, how teenage mental health is affected if they can't socialise normally with their friends, if they don't have that appropriate practice. We can see teenagers who are very awkward. They actually shun social interaction. We don't want that. On the other hand, we see people who have a lot of, I guess they, go, they can go a little bit crazy when they leave their, their parents' influence. So we want to get that balance where you have the practice, you have the opportunities, uh, but you're safe. And I guess in all of this conversation, you've both been talking about being realistic and, and being understanding and not being overly prescriptive. And also there's a lot of flexibility, I think, in your approach. It depends on the child. It depends on the particular circumstances of the family. But to conclude, Cathy, I'm just going to ask you, if parents were wanting to learn more about the topic we've been discussing, are there resources that you would recommend? Most definitely. And probably one of the best that's out there, and it's the most current and up-to-date is the DATA website, so it's data.net.au, and that's the Drug and Alcohol Research and Training Authority, and that is the one that's run by Paul Dillon. He's got a couple of great blogs that are called Doing Drugs with Paul Dillon, and he has some wonderful podcasts. There's another website called The Other Talk, which is a good website. Parentingstrategies.net is a great website. Reach out. Um, Generation Next also has information that's relevant. And safeparty.com.au is another great resource that you can tap into. Sybil and Cathy, thank you for talking to me, uh, for sharing your wisdom, your personal experiences, and as always on Illumin for Parents, some hopefully very practical advice for parents as they negotiate this important time with their daughters. Thank you, Sybil and Cathy. You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.